Welcome back to another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. One of the two hosts for this evening, Dustin Luntier. Over. Who's the second one? Who's the second one? It's you, Jake. Oh, you're the host. What? I, I should have prepared. Do you think you're just watching me talk to myself? Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was the deal. No, no, no. You, I need your color. I need color commentary, I should say. And I need your expertise in all the knowledge you bring to fantasy football. Oh, good. Would you say that I complete you? You would. You, you would say that. I like it. No, but, but, can, but can you say it? I want, to, I want it on recording so that I can put it as my ringtone later. You complete me, Jake. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right. We are into uh, more of our division mm-hmm. breakdown stuff today, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah, we are doing the NFC South today. Uh, we will be having a very special homer come onto the show, talk about his team and the division, since he is well-versed in it, very uh, up close and personal. But first things first, what are we drinking? I'll start. I am, I'm switching it up. I'm going for the hard stuff tonight. Uh, no beer for here. No beer for here is a phrase that people say probably. Probably. They've had too many of these. Uh, it is a bullet rye bourbon drink. Nice. Uh, emphasis on the bourbon. I just put a little splash of lemon juice in there uh, and a little bit of, of club soda. Teensy bit. A teensy bit. Just to take some of that edge off a little bit. Yeah, just a little. Look, I'm man enough to admit that I don't always just want straight liquor in this thing. And you know what? There's a couple of ice cubes in here, too. Just to really get those the goats of those people that that prefer their manly drinks to be extra manly. Nice. Is it smooth? It sounds delicious. It's so smooth. It's so smooth. It's just, you know what I never thought would be good is uh, whiskey and lemon. I just never thought that would be a thing. And on a, on a whim, one evening I got it out at a restaurant, and I've never turned back. And, and I, I highly recommend it to anybody who thinks that it sounds weird, because I promise you that it tastes delightful. Um, but how is your beverage, Dustin? Uh, my beverage is delicious. I'm going to be opening it here right now. I am drinking, it's called Blackberry Groove from oso brewing company here in wisconsin uh it is a fruit forward kettle kettle sour ale it's a mouthful now what's the difference between a kettle sour and say a wild sour do you know do you know this kettle sours tend to be um not as funky they're a little bit more restrained on the on the sourness and the funk than a uh one of your traditional sours um not saying they can't be but Typically, that's how that is. So uh, true to name, it's it's groovy, mm-hmm. but it's not so funky. Mm-hmm. Like what we're saying. Yes, and this is a delicious beer. Four and a half percent. Definitely tastes those blackberries. It's got a little tartness to it on top of the, the sour. Uh, oh, and it is delicious. I hope they strain the seeds out. <laughs> I hope so, too. We'll find out. <laughs> if you start gagging during the middle of this, it may be because of the beer it may also be because of our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk,
Look at that fucking segue. Did you see that? That was nice. Uh, this one is great. I cannot wait to talk about this with you. I'll be honest. So, uh, to our listeners, I typically, not always, but typically, I go scavenging for these drunk trades. And then I'll post them to the show sheet. But a lot of the times, Dustin doesn't really see them beforehand. No. So, a lot of the times, this is kind of a new experience, which I love because I want his earnest reactions to these. And I've never wanted it more than with this particular drunk trade. So this one comes from at the Bauer Club. Good friend uh, John Bauer submitted this one, and, and, and he's ready. He's already prepared for what the response is going to be to this. But Dustin, listeners, here's the trade. He says, it was a cold night in January of 2018. It was during our lottery for rookie draft order. Okay, setting the scene, mm-hmm. giving me the mood. I had a few beverages, and I believe I also had some buffalo chicken dip. Uh, interesting point to put in. I think it's but, great. <laughs> yeah, I love buffalo chicken dip. I think uh, it shows because it's buffalo, so it's probably a little spicy, so you had to drink more beer to quench that spice. Ooh, I like maybe, that. Maybe okay. that's it. But here's the real trade. I moved Mahomes and Mixon for the 103. I'm going to stop right there. This was 2018. This was the rookie draft. Rookie fever hits everyone. Even established veterans like John Bauer can succumb to the rookie fever, especially with the beverages. Mm -hmm. But Dustin, just pick, for the sake of the pick here, Mahomes and Mixon, for that pick, where are you sitting right now? This is a 12-team super flex league. Let's say that. You take the player side. Like that's, That's not even a question. Especially in a super flex, you have Mahomes and Mixon, like two stud players. Like that's no, that's. <laughs> but now let's finish this up because let's see who he used that one hundred three pick on. It was depressing drum roll, Darius Geis. Ugh. So he Ugh. Patrick Mahomes. He might be vindicated this year. You don't know. He might. He might. <laughs> this was two years ago. So you've had two years of nothing. Uh, actually, you've had about two and a half games. And then the rest of nothing from Darius Geis. Uh, I just, I feel bad even even saying it out loud. It's, it's so brutal. It's so brutal, Dustin. I mean, Is there any silver lining to this? No, whatsoever? there's zero. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You, you, you go back to 2018, even Mixon for the 103 isn't outrageous. I mean, it's it would be an overpay, but that's not like that's an outrageous move either where you're getting totally fleeced. Um, and then, obviously, Mahomes in a super flex, like he, he's worth th- probably three first-rounders. So yes. I just I just don't uh, – I, I want to know how many – a few beverages really is <laughs> 19 i'm going to say 19 and they were all bourbon just oh god that uh, yeah that's that's about as rough as we've seen he's he still loses sleep over this one i would too i would yeah. never there's there's nothing that would make me feel good about that trade ever I don't care if I won a championship on the back of Darius Geis and he puts up like 70 points in a game it wouldn't matter. I still wouldn't feel good about it. Yeah, it's just this is by far this has to be the worst we've ever had mm-hmm. on the show by a, by a wide margin. A very wide margin. 
John, we're sorry. Uh, but if you have any more, please let us know, because it was terrific. <laughs> yes, continue. I mean, I hope for your sake that you don't, or at least that there aren't more of those in that particular league. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I think you just have to leave the league. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, shame. No doubt. That was all right. Well, we will be right back with our guest, folks. So hold on. And we're back. We have our very special guest with us this evening to talk the NFC South. We have Jake Rip from the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Team. Uh, how are you doing there, Jake? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking, Dustin. Dustin, Jake, how are you guys doing? Oh, terrific. Peachy. I'm doing peachy, other Jake. Are you okay with me calling you other Jake? I, I prefer you call me other Jake. Secondary yeah. Jake. Can, can we do a full-on... No, I'll call you Jake one for this episode. I was going to say, can we do a full-on Scrubs? Number one and number two? We sure can. We sure can. And I will take the number two. As That's honorable. I respect that. All right. Well, that's great. Oh, already off to a, a, a smashing start. Uh, so, Jake, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself here before we uh, get into the meat of the episode? Yeah, so um, I really just got started in the fantasy community like a year ago, a little under a year ago. Um, Matthew Betts from Red Shirts Fantasy Football posted on Twitter. They were looking for writers, and I took my shot at it, uh, sent him a sample article, and he liked it. It worked out. And I've been writing for them since. They're a great group there, very encouraging, and I love working for those guys. Very cool dudes. Yeah, they seem like it. We actually had one of your compatriots on uh, just a few episodes back. We had John mm. Helmkamp on here. Uh, we also had nothing but glowing glowing words to say about red shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anybody who's encountered you all out in the wild would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, everyone... Everyone seems to like the red shirts, guys. Matt Okada, Matt Betts, John Helmkamp. Mm-hmm. And we already like you because as we talked uh, just before we lit up the bikes here, uh, we asked if you were drinking anything because we don't like to bully people into drinking on this show, but it is highly encouraged. And you said that even if you weren't uh, on this particular show that you would probably be, drink- be drinking. So what are you imbibing tonight? Well, tonight I'm going with the Southern Tier Two Times IPA. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar out there in Central Time. Uh, they're a New York brewery. I'm not much of a beer snob or anything, but it's pretty solid. Double India Pale Ale and uh, 8.2%. Ooh. Going with tonight. And that was that was strategic in case I drop hey, your, in case I drop any <laughs> shitty takes today. I can just go back and say it was all all because of the alcohol. So. <laughs> That's what we're going to go. I, I, that's a nice security blanket to mm-hmm. have, for sure. Yeah, Dustin, I love Southern Tier. Yes. Oh, yeah, they're great. Southern Tier Brewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've had uh, some, like, kind of dessert beers, what you might call them, through Southern mm-hmm. Tier. They've nice. never disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I've never had a bad one by them. That's, they're a great brewery. Yeah, no, I go right for the variety pack, and I'll, I'll take what they give me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, so we will move into our uh, divisional breakdown here. We'll go through the NFC South team by team. You know, be talking current roster, free agency moves, some trade cuts they've made, uh, review their draft, uh, and anything else we we decide to talk about here. So uh, let's start off with the the team of the night here, uh, the Homer's Corner. We will go with the Falcons. So, Represent other Jake. 
we'll get right in and talk about the draft for a second. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very short-lived, but let's <laughs> I just want to commiserate real quick with with other Jake, Jake too. Um, because they're, if, if the Packers didn't have the worst draft in 2020, and they did, uh, the, the Falcons probably were up there. Just for the fact that they passed on taking C.D. Lamb in the first round. And basically, they, they should have went with the blueprint that Dallas went with. They took a cornerback. They, they, they went out for a positional need over taking the best player on the board. Jerry Jones zigged where they zagged, took C.D. Lamb, grabbed the cornerback in the next round, and, uh, yeah, left me very disappointed on the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no disrespect to A.J. Terrell. I'm sure he's going to be a fine cornerback, but I would have rather left with C.D. Lamb. And maybe that's because of my own, um, I don't know, me just wanting to have a fantasy-relevant player on Atlanta. I was going to say, not really anybody of note from from a skill position standpoint. Nope. Uh, I don't know if you count a punter as uh, <laughs> as somebody of fantasy relevance out there. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was an, it's interesting to see somebody say that they wanted a wide receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into, obviously, all of that here, but uh, just, just putting a little pin in the, the zero wide receiver draft uh, take. And, and maybe out. not necessarily wanted a wide receiver. I didn't go into the draft hoping that the Falcons drafted a wide receiver, but when it came down to uh, whatever pick they had there, 16, 17, and C.D. Lamb was on the board, you got you got to go for it. Jerry Jones gets it. Well, this time. This time. And we just don't want Jerry Jones to have nice things, I no. think, as a community and as a whole. So that's after all. It hurt for everybody, but especially for a Falcons fan, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so piggy, piggybacking off the draft, um, they must feel pretty good about their offseason acquisition there and Todd Gurley. Uh, you know, I know we didn't see much from their backup running backs last year, but they must feel confident in them. What what are you hearing uh, about that situation? Yeah, so, I mean, for fantasy purposes, I don't see any reason Todd Gurley shouldn't finish inside the top 12 this year. He was RB12 with the Rams last year and played behind a terrible offensive line. And you might think right away, well, Atlanta's offensive line can't be much better. They weren't much better. But they were all hurt last year. Uh, their planned starting lineup of Jake Matthews, uh, James Carpenter, Alex Mack, Lidstrom, Caleb McGarry. They only played together. <clears throat> excuse me. They only played together for 100 snaps out of the 1,100 that the team played in 2019. So the offensive line is going to improve. They're going to get better, and Todd Gurley is going to score touchdowns. Well, of course, their offensive line is going to get better. They're all first rounders. Yeah, the whole offense first yeah. rounders. They're rolling out 11 first rounders this year. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's a Hall of Fame offense. Uh, it could be. Can I tell you? I think you would appreciate this take, Jake, number one. Uh, yeah. I was talking to the ball glass ladies uh, recently about what running back had the ability to finish as the RB1 that you might not consider. And I listed Todd Gurley. I think there is a chance. Obviously, look, it's CMC, it's Barkley, and then it's the rest. I think the, the majority of people would agree with that. But if 
you're just looking at guys who have that upside, I think Gurley has the the, the stuff and the line and the offense to get it done. Mm-hmm. He does. The uh, the Falcons are going to pass just as much as they did last year. I think they led the league in passing last year. Uh, Devontae Freeman, who is not going to be in the picture this year, saw 70 targets in the Atlanta backfield. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll take that for Gurley all day in 2020. Yeah, and I love it. You're really going to be able to get him at a discount, uh, especially in redraft leagues. Like you're, it's going to be. He might be one of my my, you know, like RB two targets if he falls that far, and depending on how the draft plays out, like he's going to be incredible value, even in yeah. trades right now. Like you could probably get him pretty cheaply. There's people who are still worried about those knees. I don't know why. He he uh, proved he's healthy. He can stay healthy. You saw the video of him. Uh, Pressing, whatever you call that, I don't work out. The leg pressing, leg press, yeah, the leg press, and uh, he was killing it. He looks healthy to me. I like it. Mm-hmm. And there's zero competition for him. That's awesome. I mean, look, I love Quadre Olison, next guy. In fact, probably more than all of the next guys. You do. <laughs> I can't find a way to stop talking about him for some reason. But I mean, really, there's just nobody else there to really uh, steal snaps away from him, so long as he can handle it. Quadri mm-hmm. Olison, uh, Brian Hill, Ito Smith. I don't see any of those guys being a factor. It's it's Todd Gurley all day. Yeah, and how do you feel about uh, Hayden Hurst coming in replacing Austin Hooper? Do you think that's just going to be a plug and play for the most part? I I really do. Um, Austin Hooper got that big contract in Cleveland. He's the highest paid tight end now, and I don't know if that's entirely justified. He saw a bunch of targets. 97 targets mm-hmm. uh, in the Atlanta offense. And they, I mean, again, they just kept throwing. And uh, I think Hayden Hurst is going to be the benefactor of that this year. Mm. The former Pittsburgh Pirate, Hayden Hurst. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Bo Jackson on our hands. Straight <laughs> up, throw that in there. Yeah, also first rounder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that move that they went and got him and uh, to replace Hooper since why. Yeah, I, I went to paid Hooper that much. Let's put it that way. He's a yeah, fine yeah. tight end. Uh, he's one of my guys uh, last off season. Like I really expected him to have a good season this last year, uh, but he's and it's more of function of the offense and not because he's necessarily a super special player. Yep, like you said earlier, I think it's going to be a plug and play situation. Hayden Hurst goes in there, and if he sees ninety-seven targets, he's going to catch seventy balls, seven hundred yards, and handful of touchdowns mm-hmm. and he'll get all the touchdowns that julio is definitely not going to get him at all. <laughs> so it will work out. Yeah, exactly just from a losses addition standpoint it's very rare that we get these kind of one for ones uh out there with teams but okay so they lose freeman and hooper they gain Gurley and hurst uh upgrade and by how much um I mean, it's an upgrade at the running back position. Todd Gurley's better than Devonta Freeman, especially at this point in his career, at any point in his career. Um, <laughs> I don't know. At tight end, Austin Hooper's probably more talented than Hayden Hurst, but it's going to be a plug-and-play. For fantasy, Hayden Hurst is going to be good. He can push for top 10 tight end this year. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So let's talk about Matt Ryan for a, a hot tick here. Uh, he he seems to be doing this every other year where he performs super, super great for your team and then just lets you down and, and the bottom drops out. I shouldn't say the bottom drops out. That's a little extreme, but uh, just really lets you down the next year. So 
this is supposed to be his up year this year. Uh, what do you think? I know we're going to the second year with uh, the new offensive coordinator now, so maybe it'll be better. A new old offensive coordinator? No, yeah. It's funny you say that. I have a note here that Matt Ryan is bi-yearly fantasy gold. So <laughs> in 2015, he finishes as QB 19. In 2016, quarterback 2. 2017, QB 15. 2018, QB 3. Uh, last year, QB nine, so Matt Ryan QB one for twenty twenty, right? Yeah, that's how that's how it's looking. Okay. <laughs> all right, you guys heard it here first. We're all in consensus. Quarterback one. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about it. You talked about it already, uh, Jake. Number one about how the Atlanta passing offense last year was uh, top tier in terms of total attempts. They were actually just below. Um, the very tippy top, uh, which the Rams and, and Bucks had tied for the most attempts there, but but he and they as a group were just barely below them. So do you think that that holds steady going into this year? Yeah, it is going to hold steady, uh, mostly because of their defense. They're going to let up points. The Falcons are going to be playing from behind constantly every game, every week, especially in that division where they're going to play the Saints twice. Buccaneers twice, the Panthers twice, mm-hmm. all going to be high-powered offenses. Yeah, they're going to be throwing the ball plenty. Uh, I have here that they did lead the league in team pass play percentage, 67%. I don't know if that was the stat you were looking at with the uh, Rams and uh, Bucks. Yeah, I was just looking at overall passing attempts. Yeah. It looks okay. like the Rams and Bucks were 626, uh, Falcons 616. But from a percentage base, that's even better. Yep, yep. They're going to throw the ball. They threw the ball last year. They're going to do it again this year. That defense is going to be leaky at yeah, best. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> no, not good. I, that, is, that might be an understatement. And, and let's touch on the wide receivers here real quick. Um, Julio, is this going to be the year he starts to see the decline? And this is the year that Ridley takes over that number one big dog role in that offense? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think... I'm not going to say Julio's in his prime, but I don't think he's declining yet. Last year, he caught 99 balls, just under 1,400 yards, six touchdowns. Um, and I just tweeted yesterday that I, I think Julio has a strong chance to lead the league in targets next year. Ooh. Uh, if the Falcons are going to pass the same percentage they did last year. So last year, six receivers saw over 150 targets, or a minimum of 150 targets. Um Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Julian Edelman, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, four of those wide receivers are going to have a different quarterback going into this following year. And um, Michael Thomas, who we'll get to, I'm sure, here in a little bit, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is going to join that wide receiver corps this year. So, yeah, I think Julio has a chance to lead the league in targets. He's going to be a wide receiver one this year. I don't, I don't see any reason to think he's going to decline. Yeah, same here. I'm in the same camp. He's as long as that foot doesn't uh, continue to act up for him. Uh, yeah, I I don't see him declining one bit. He's only missed four games in the past mm-hmm. six years. The dude, he's, he stays healthy. Yeah. he's consistent. Mm-hmm. I do like Calvin Ridley. While we're on the topic of their wide receivers, I like Calvin Ridley. Uh, what I would say is a reasonable amount. There are some folks out on Dynasty Twitter. Uh, that like him, I believe, an unreasonable amount. Oh, it's going to be crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, they're saying top 10 this year, um, you know, and he's above all of these stud wide receivers. And, and I'm not seeing that. I'm, I'm appreciative of you as a homer saying, uh, you know, that that's, that's not necessarily the deal either. But I do want to toss out a few names. And again, this is the homer's corner, so you be as biased as you want to be. Oh, I will. <laughs> but I just want to do a little bit of uh, this guy or that guy with you here. Uh, some names that other people have been valuing Calvin Ridley close to. Who would you rather have from a dynasty perspective? So, Calvin Ridley or Michael Gallup? Calvin Ridley. Ridley. Calvin, Calvin Ridley or Cortland Sutton? Calvin Ridley. Ooh, I might go Sutton on that one. It's close, though. I mean, that's it's as close as can be. Opinion. <laughs> that's on record. That's fair. That's completely fair. Okay, one more guy that I'm very curious about here. Uh, we've talked about this guy quite a bit, but Calvin Ridley or Robert Woods? From a dynasty perspective? I'm going to stick with Calvin Ridley on that one. I think I might go Ridley on that one, too. If we're talking redraft, I'll take Woods. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be money this year. But, mm -hmm. yeah, if we're talking dynasty, give me Ridley. Yeah. I appreciate that. I have I have been the biggest Bobby Woods truther, I think, in existence this offseason. But even I, from a dynasty standpoint, would rather have Ridley above Woods. Yep, that's the move. Mm -hmm. Same here. All right, any last thoughts about your beloved Falcons before we move on here? Um, I hope that they have the number one overall pick in next year's draft. Can't wait to see who they take. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Their schedule is brutal. They're, I, I think they're going to get the beat down. I don't like to say it, but uh, I'm being realistic. So if, if they're going to lose games, I'd rather it not be for a mediocre pick. Just give me one of those top five picks and make something happen. Don't take a cornerback. <laughs> I will be hopeful for you and say that I believe that the Falcons will finish with at least nine wins this year. At least. Wow. At least. I think just based on their offense, it's going to be very tough for, for other teams to keep up with them. Even the high-powered teams that you're talking about in their division, I actually do really like the Falcons. I hope for your sake that they're not I... drafting the number one overall pick next year. <laughs> and if they are, then yes, I hope they don't take a cornerback for yeah, I, hap I happen to agree with that. I think they could be that sneaky team possibly where maybe, depending on how Tampa Bay does, maybe the three teams from the uh, the South get in uh, to the playoffs with that extra wild card. Wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. I'm prepared to start talking wild card. All right, all right. So let's uh, move on to uh, Tampa Bay then. Uh, big, big offseason for them, luring Tom Brady into the state. Uh, they dumped Jameis, uh, which was very sad for me personally because I loved watching him. Uh, and they got rid of uh, Peyton Barber and Rashad Perryman. Um, and then their, their draft, uh, they kind of did what we expected there, uh, getting Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, picking him up. Uh, uh, to replace Peyton Barber and uh, Ronald Jones there in the backfield, and then took a wide receiver, uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, I think that was in the fifth, fifth or sixth round of the draft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was sad to see Tyler Johnson go so late. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, just Big Ten uh, alum, 
Uh, and he was really good, and he was projected to go very high last year uh, if he would have came out early. So um, kind of rooting for him uh, to do well, except for all my um, Steve Miller chairs are now gone. Scotty? Scotty? Scott, thank you. <laughs> no, it looked like uh, Bruce Arians was pretty stoked about it. I just read a quote from him from after the draft. Uh, where he said, oh, man, I couldn't tell you how long I was waiting on that one, referring to uh, picking Tyler Johnson. Uh, he said, I was just shaking. I actually sat there and watched the Outback Bowl in Tampa with my son, and I, it was, I got to get this guy. We really wanted him, and we had a high grade. Guys were coming along, and I was like, phew, we finally got him. I was really, really excited. Hey, that's um, great to yeah, hear. <laughs> I praise for the guy, and I agree. I think Tyler Johnson, he's kind of a beast. He had a 57.2 dominator rating in college, 98th percentile, 36.1 target share, 96th percentile, uh, 86 receptions, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. Not much to not like. Mm-hmm, exactly. I, I still don't know why he fell so far in the draft. Um, I don't know if he talked bad about coach's daughters or something or, or what like i mean i mean because he was so highly touted uh last off season well he didn't participate at the combine and uh he skipped the senior bowl too I'm sure had something to do with his draft capital right right um so let's let's talk the big news for tampa bay uh tom brady signing replacing Jameis winston uh what do you guys feel do you think this is going to be just a uh, uh, swap them out and, and things are going to go along uh, as they did last year or do you expect better things uh, from Brady? Um, better might be a stretch. <laughs> um, uh, fantastic things with the offensive weapons that he has around him. I think he could be this year. I think he could very well finish as a QB1 again. But I do think a little bit too much is being put into what his weapons are that he got. Um, like, I understand that with, with the Patriots, he didn't have the greatest array of guys there. Um, he had Julian Edelman. He didn't have Gronk, which we didn't talk about. Gronk is back yes. uh, in, in Tampa Bay now. He's back with Brady there. So for what that's worth, all you O.J. Howard uh, truthers can now officially cut bait, I think, if, uh, if you choose to. But... I don't think that it's all of a sudden going to be Tom Brady, the QB1, by any stretch. I don't know about the QB1, but uh, you alluded to he could finish as a QB1. I think that might be kind of a lock. He was QB12 in New England, and you, you said how his receivers were sort of lackluster. I mean, after Julian Edelman, that was it. Mm-hmm. He had no one to throw to there. Um his 24 touchdowns, his lowest mark since 2006. And now he steps into an offense where he's got the best receivers he's had since he, you know, Randy Moss and Wes Welker. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a big deal for TB12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do worry. I worry, Dustin. We talk about this all the time. There is the father time aspect to everything. And I know it's old to keep talking about that, especially with a guy like Brady. I think I've been saying this for like five years now, that this is the year where Tom Brady's arm declines and he's going to have that Peyton Manning year. Look, Tom Tom Brady and Frank Gore are drinking the same water. They're they're, they're not going anywhere. There might be something to that. I know, right? 
good tape. It's that Sobe Life Water, mm-hmm. I think. Remember that? It's got to be that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually um, just finished up my my early season projections here, first run through uh, over this this last weekend, and uh, I actually have Brady number nine overall. Uh, just first blush through, uh, so I think that he'll probably end up in that you know eight to eleven range uh, at the end of the season. I mean, with those weapons he has, it's how can he not? Basically, I mean, the season really has to fall off the rails for that not to happen. That offense took Jameis Winston, a guy who's throwing 30 interceptions, a guy whose eyes didn't work, threw for 5,000 yards in the offense. Tom Brady's <laughs> locked and loaded. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to be a, 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 a QB1 this year. Yeah, and he's got his old binky back there with Gronk, too. Not saying yeah, Gr- not saying Gronk's going to have a, a tight end one season or any, you know anything like that, but having that comfort of and the chemistry of, of someone you know uh, will make a big difference, I think. Yep, Gronk will have a tight end one season, by the yeah. way. But it's not really going to matter because I don't think he's going to be – he's not going to be like a top three tight end. Uh, and everybody we know beyond like tight end six, it doesn't really matter most of the time who it is. Uh, but I do think he'll have a tight end one season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and let's talk about their, um, their two stud wide receivers they have with Evans and Godwin. Is, is Godwin taking over as the alpha dog? I know he finished higher this last season, uh, but is oh, that going to continue? He's already the alpha dog. What? No. Now, from a points-per-game basis, <laughs> it was basically neck-and-neck neck with Godwin and Evans last year. Of course, Evans went down uh, for the last couple of weeks, and so we didn't get to see what his true finish would have been. But also, Godwin missed some time. So um, I do think that they were basically neck-and-neck. Neck. I don't think he overtook him last season, but I think with Tom there... I think this is the official year that it you can stamp it. Like, I think I've been bullish on Godwin. He's going to play more snaps in the slot. Even with Tyler Johnson mm-hmm. there, Godwin is going to be the guy who shifts into the slot at least. Um, Evans is his only perimeter guy. And Tom Brady, everybody likes to go back to the days of Randy Moss with Tom Brady. And you can't do that. It's 10 years ago. I understand that he's ageless. But you can't go back 10 years and just say, well, remember when he did that? That's going to be what happens for this guy. Um, but I think, like, Evans could very easily have a wide receiver one, top 12, finish this year. Great. But Chris Godwin, like, I could see him finishing as wide receiver two again this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right away when uh, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, you heard all the comparisons to, okay, now Chris Godwin becomes Julian Edelman. He's the slot guy. Um, Chris Godwin played 447 slot snaps last year, 12th in the NFL. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he is going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to get peppered with targets. There's no reason to think he won't finish as a top five wide receiver mm-hmm. during the 2020. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we kind of alluded to this uh, a little bit earlier, but O.J. Howard's value just gone. Try to get a ham sandwich for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give you that ham sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad. I know there's a lot of people out there crying over that because they really did believe in him. Maybe after this season. I think he's a free agent after this year. Uh, so maybe he goes to a different, uh, different team, little change of scenery, and can – start his career over again yeah and um real quick 
while we were on the wide receivers. With Mike Evans, I feel like a lot of people kind of soured on him right away when the news came out that Tom Brady was going there because now it's, oh, they don't have Jameis Winston, the gunslinger, to send it downfield and, you know, get 15-point-whatever yards per reception. Uh, Tom Brady still got it. He can still send it downfield. Last year he completed 60% or 60 passes of over 20 yards. That was fifth in the NFL. He completed 43% of his passes of 20 yards or more. That was seventh in the NFL. The guy can still send it downfield, and uh, I'm still high on Mike Evans, too. Mm-hmm. They both finished the top ten wide receivers last year, and I don't think that's out of the question this year. Mm-hmm. So basically, Evans as a chance of finishing top five, too? Or is that out of the realm now? No, no I don't think that's out of the realm at all. So basically, um, we're not seeing this offense take any sort of step back this year uh, with the change in quarterback. It's... It's full steam. Their quarterback <laughs> last year couldn't see Dustin. I know, but <laughs> yeah, but that just—it didn't mean that he didn't see shapes. He, he never throw into a shape downfield. He just didn't know necessarily what that shape's face looked like. That's yeah, or what kind of jersey he was wearing. <laughs> can we talk about? I, I know people don't want to, but can we talk about Ronald Jones just for a hot tick? Mm-hmm. Uh, because yes, they brought in. Uh, obviously Keyshawn Vaughn and so he should be the de facto pass catcher in that backfield but Ronald Jones it seems like everybody is still really sour on Ronald Jones myself included but all of the words coming out from that team are that Ronald Jones is going to get some run this year and I think he finished better than people believed he did Mm -hmm. last year it's just kind of fun to shit on the guy more than anything but I don't know realistically what to expect from him any ideas on what we should see from RJ going forward? What's going to happen with Ronald Jones is the second he misses a blitz pickup and Tom Brady goes down, Ruth Arians is going to send him to the bench and it's wheels up for Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, Ronald Jones was terrible at pass blocking last year. And I, th- I think that's part of the reason why they brought in Vaughn. It's not like he's an elite pass blocker, but it- it's all about protecting Tom Brady at this point. So whoever does that is going to stay on the field and get all the opportunity. That's, just, mm-hmm. that's how I see it. Yep, same Tom's here. Gonna make that happen. Tom's going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do think Tom Brady, as far as like the play calling in Tampa Bay, um, it's not going to be the same as when Jameis Winston was in town. I don't think it's going to be a hundred percent the Bruce Arians show or the um, who's our offensive coordinator, Leftwich. Mm-hmm. Yep. Byron Leftwich show, Tom Brady's going to have a lot of say in how that offense runs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you just don't take a guy that's been playing for 20 years and not ask for his input or how he wants to run an offense. So, yeah, I yeah, agree. Although, if any coach might do that, it might be Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair as well. <laughs> all right. Any last thoughts here with Tampa Bay before we move on? That's all I got. No. All right, so let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. They lost a couple players. Teddy Bridgewater, he went and go went and got himself a, a starting QB job. And then uh, Ted Ginn, speedster on the outside. Uh, but they did bring in Jameis Winston, as we just talked about with Tampa Bay. Uh, He's Man- working out, too. Yeah. Uh, Manny Sanders and Ty Montgomery. And they're draft they didn't really have a big uh, uh draft uh for skill position players at least 
Uh, they only drafted Adam Troutman, so uh, not a whole lot changing uh, for the Saints, really, in, in my book. With the addition of Manny Sanders, I shouldn't say that. That's kind of a big addition. I think that changes <laughs> a lot. So I think this is the thing that's going un, undiscussed uh, to an extent that it shouldn't be, is Emmanuel Sanders, it's been a long time since there's been another really solid wide receiver opposite of Michael Thomas. So I haven't formulated all my thoughts and opinions on this quite yet for what that's going to mean for Michael Thomas. I think that he'll see a slight increase in targets. I think he has to. Um, but I think the efficiency should be better for him, so it should maybe counterbalance. I don't know. Other Jake, what are we thinking about uh, about Manny and at all at the receiver position? So he's going to eat into that target share a little bit for Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas has benefited all these years, or all these years, I should say, like three years, <laughs> from uh, not having much target competition in the offense. Uh, you were saying, you know, the last time they had another, a wide receiver, too. Who can you name? Ted Ginn? Willie Sneed, maybe? Nah. Um, but they got Emmanuel Sanders now. He's 33 years old, but this is a guy who's averaged 93 targets per season over the past five years. He's going to get his. He's going to command targets. He's that kind of receiver. And um, I think he's going to jump right into that offense, and he's, he's going he's gonna to look good. He's being mm-hmm. undervalued right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Last time I checked, I'm pretty sure his ADP was outside of the top 40 wide receivers. Oh, which is yeah. just stealing at that point. I think Sanders is going to become what kind of Larry Fitzgerald has been for the last few years uh, for redraft purposes, which is he's a guy who's going to look really good if you can get him as your wide receiver three, four on your on your redraft team. You're going to be so damn happy to have him there. No doubt. Um, and you can get him for, for peanuts right now. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, this is a guy who's finished inside the top 26 wide, wide receivers in uh, three of his past four seasons in half PPR, and he's going as the wide receiver 40. I'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, Michael Thomas, I don't know, Dustin, you have to be a little bit of a deciding breaker on this it seems that the two jakes are mostly in agreement about michael thomas but what are your thoughts on on mikey mike uh i've got really no concerns uh for michael thomas this season uh i i do agree that his his target share is going to get eaten into a little bit there with manny uh joining the crew but he still uh will get his targets uh he he's not the downfield guy he's he's more of the intermediate routes uh, he's 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 gonna continue to get his. Him and Breeze have a great uh, chemistry together. Uh, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, his targets. He, he's not gonna be as outstanding as he was last year. Let's be honest. Uh, but I I wouldn't hesitate to say he could be the wide receiver one overall again this next season. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm by no means uh, really down on Michael Thomas. I think he's absolutely a top five wide receiver. I don't think that's really in question. But uh, he led the league in target share, 33% last year. Which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous, <laughs> exactly. And with, with Emmanuel Sanders in the picture now, that's, that's going to change. Mm-hmm. Okay, where do we where do we actually put Jameis now? So we talked about him coming. To, so he's cut by Tampa Bay. He's brought on to the Saints. Obviously, as a short-term uh, path, 
to being the QB one there. Uh, once Breeze decides to retire and move on to greener pastures, maybe the announcing booth is everybody's so inclined to do these things. Uh, but when Breeze moves on, I, it very likely will be as soon as next year. So are you going out? Are you trying to scoop up Jameis? What's the plan? So I, I recently traded Jameis Winston for my in my dynasty league for a second round rookie pick. Okay, the super flex? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Look, I think it's not a bad call. Dustin, tell me what you think, but I think for this year it's perfectly fine to do that, understanding that you're getting the rookie. Maybe a little bit of rookie fever overtook you. It's understandable. Everybody encountered <laughs> But if you trade him away now, there's still plenty of time for you to trade for him again in the future. Even right. If you decide to. So you can milk that rookie pick, get as much use out of that person as you can now, and still have some room to potentially go after him down. Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I think, especially in a super flex league where quarterbacks are so valuable. It, it was the 201. Uh. <laughs> Not just any second yeah. round pick. And, it was any second round pick. Yeah, no, I don't hate it. I mean... He, he's not starting right now. Does he have that path to, to be starting? Yes, but, you know, I, he's not doing anything just sitting on your bench. You're hoping for injury, uh, which probably won't happen. Let's be honest. Drew Brees, is, aside from last year, has been uh, pretty damn healthy uh, throughout his career. So uh, I, I wouldn't bet him to get injured this season. And, and with the 201, I mean, that's just essentially a first-round pick. I mean, you're getting a first-round graded player in this draft especially. So I don't hate it at all. Did you already draft in this rookie draft, or is this still forthcoming? Yeah, no, I took I took that pick. I went Denzel Mims with that. Okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah, high upside pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, slide right into that offense. But uh, we're not talking about that division right now. Maybe we'll <laughs> save that for another day. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, we did have our drunk trade of the uh, week segment up top, but I would say even if you weren't drinking during this trade, that would not even come close to making it. That's how good. <laughs> All right, that's good. funny you say that, by the way. That league I was talking about, was it's in a league with John Bauer. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, trade with, the trade wasn't with John Bauer, but, uh, yeah, he's in the league. <laughs> All right. Well, John, I'm sorry to shit on you one more time. <laughs> All right, so do you guys see uh, Kamara bouncing back this season? I know he was injured, had the high ankle sprain, uh, which really put a damper. Not having Breeze there you know, didn't necessarily help things either. Uh, but do you see him rebounding up into the upper echelon this season? Yes, 100%. I'll answer that before, other Jake. Um, We're in agreement. He, he mm-hmm. put a tweet out there, and I could be reading way too much into this, and it could just be player talk. But the Saints posted a highlight reel of Alvin Kamara, and uh, his response to that post was on one leg at seventy five percent, but now we back to a hundred. Nice. So I mean, it, it was very clear that the injury was an issue for him last year. Um, it's it's not even a, a thought to me that he's going to finish a as a top pin guy like that's a lock and the fact that he was able to do what he did last year considering all that great wonderful no he didn't look like his his typical self um but, but all of the writing is on the wall for him to get right back up to where he was he's easily a top five guy this year mm-hmm. I, I can't see a, a path where he's not mm-hmm. 
Yeah, 100%. no doubt. Um, we all know how important the pass-catching running backs are in fantasy, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, but in 2017, Kamara caught 81 balls. In 2018, Kamara caught 81 balls. In 2019, he caught 81 balls. I'd like to ask you two gentlemen, over or under 81 receptions for Alvin Kamara in 2020? Neither. It's going to be exactly 81. It's going to be 81, yes. <laughs> I put myself up for that one. It's just, I look, when you have something that good going, you have to do it. Actually, no, we talked about this last uh, offseason with Dak Prescott, who had had six rushing touchdowns in each of his first three seasons somehow. Uh, 666, Mark of the Beast. Now, this is not quite to that extent, obviously, but uh, no, for, for real, though, I do think that Camaro probably takes a tiny, tiny bump down in targets um, just because of the addition of Emmanuel Sanders being there. Um, Jared Cook being there last year, too, was not a, it wasn't a fluke that he got what he got. Um, so I think he'll take a tiny downturn, but I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah, I don't either. I, like you said, I, uh, top 10 running back, lock mm-hmm. it in. Yep, absolutely. And then, uh, Jake, you just mentioned Jared Cook. Uh, he should have another solid season for them. Uh, they've been missing a tight end there ever since uh, Jimmy Graham left, you know, uh, two ice ages ago. Um, so so I think they 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 have their tight end there. Um, he'll, he'll produce. I'm not expecting um, super high-end tight end uh, numbers from him this season, but... Uh, he should be uh, a low-end tight end one at a minimum. Yeah, you know what? I had Jared Cook last year. I'm sorry, Jake, you want to go ahead? No, 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 you go ahead, other Jake. This is your time, damn it. Jake won, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had Jared Cook in the fantasy last year. I think I dropped him after week three, and then he went on a tear after that. But a lot of his fantasy production came from his touchdowns last year. He scored nine touchdowns. Um he did lead tight ends in yards per reception, 16.4, but he only had two games with more than four receptions. So his production was kind of spotty if you owned him in fantasy. He wasn't like mm-hmm. a lock to give you production week after week. He had under 45 receiving yards in eight of his games played. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm not as bullish on Jared Cook next year. I think he'll be 33, 34 years old. Adam Troutman now in the offense. Emmanuel Sanders there to steal targets. I don't think he's a, a lock. Uh, he finishes what the tight end seven last year. I think he'll be lucky to finish in the top twelve. Ooh, that's right. interesting. So mm-hmm. he did miss a couple of games last year. Um, I mean, no big deal for tight ends because basically every tight end it seems misses some games um, at some point during the season. I do think that a little bit of the Jared Cook problem, if if you want to call it that. Um, did come down to somewhat of the quarterback switch. Some of his worst games did happen uh, when Breeze was out. Um, I, I might need to fact check that a little bit, make, make sure that it was as pronounced as I believe it was. Um, but I do think if Breeze is healthy for the entire year, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm bullish on him by any means, but I think like as a late round dart throw in your redraft leagues if you can get him i think he's going around the late uh, eighth round currently for adp um so if you can get him there and you don't want to mess like if you want to set and forget it tight end he might be the closest thing to that that you'll be able to get in those later rounds mm-hmm. yeah so i'm looking at the games right now where uh, teddy bridgewater was in and you're pretty much right he went 
one reception for seven yards, three receptions for 21 yards, four receptions for 41 yards, and three receptions for 37 yards. So fair enough point. I'll take it. (laughs) But yeah, no, I I don't think that he's, you know, don't expect him to be a top five guy this year by any stretch. No. Okay, well, I think that'll do it for the Saints, unless you guys have something else to add here. Uh, Lots of good fantasy options on that team. And then we will... Do you think there's a division with more fantasy uh, relevance than the NFC South? No. Yeah, Yeah, it's... It's across the board every team. There's there's good value everywhere. I would draft players only from this division. If that was like some sort of parameter that you had to set, and, and they said, look, you can only draft t- uh, players from the NFC South. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's wrap it up then with the Carolina Panthers. Um, they lost Cam Newton, which was a surprise, I think. Uh, Kyle Allen and... Old man Greg Olson, uh, but they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, we just talked about the Saints. Uh, PJ Walker and Robbie Anderson, number two's man crush. And then uh, in the draft, uh, no skill positions to speak of. So uh, offense, you know, the, the couple new additions there, but um, still got McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Uh, I it could be that yeah their their uh defense is going to be horrible this year so uh they're they're another team again the whole kind of nfc south i mean it's just going to be points galore out there can we talk about this weird quarterback carousel that happened in the nfc south and i didn't even realize it until i typed this out here but like i've never seen this happen where a quarterback literally just goes from one team in the division to another team in the division, and that happened three times in one offseason. Mm-hmm. It's fucking bonkers. Yeah, you're right. Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay to New Orleans, Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. New Orleans to Carolina. It's mm-hmm. wild. What in the hell is going on uh, in the, in this this part of the NFL? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but do we want it up top here? We should talk about quarterbacks, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Teddy Bridgewater, not exciting. Not an exciting man, um, but a man with a lot of weapons, as Tom Brady is. So what do we do with Teddy? Where do we rank Teddy? He's locked into basically two years with the team from the way his contract is structured. There's an out potentially after 2022. but So two years of Teddy Bridgewater. Where do you rank Teddy Bridgewater before we even get into the other guys? We're talking redraft. Sure, or or from Dynasty too. I mean, I'm actually very interested from a Dynasty perspective. What do you do with him? Um, so from redraft, I I think uh, top fifteen is feasible, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm just not above and beyond on Teddy Bridgewater just because he's got all these weapons. He's never been great for fantasy, but he wins games. That's mm-hmm. what the Carolina Panthers yeah. want. You know? I mean, he had all the weapons last year. In an offense he was already familiar with, because he had been there, uh, and, and we kind of saw what he did. So I, I I tend to agree that that QB fifteen might be kind of his his cap area uh, for the next couple seasons. Why he's starting, assuming he starts the whole time. Here's a thought I want to throw out though, because I thought the exact same thing until very very recently. 
And it's yes, he had Michael Thomas and he had Kamara last year and Jared Cook. He had fine weapons, but really he just had the one weapon. He had Michael Thomas. He had. We already talked about how Kamara was injured. He was playing as half of himself. Jared Cook is fine, completely fine, especially for fantasy. He's not dynamite. And he was just the spot fill-in guy. They didn't create the offense around him. The mm-hmm. hope is that they would do that this year for him in Carolina. And, and they would tailor the offense to exactly what's what he does well. I don't know. I mean, yes, he's close enough to Drew Brees where maybe that didn't make a, a huge difference last year. But um, So I kind of want to believe that he has an opportunity to be a quarterback one, a top 12 guy this year, based entirely on the weapons um, and kind of based on the division again. He's in this division that he has to be able to throw to win games, and he has to be able to... He can bail out and dump off to CMC, and that will be great, and that will be fine because that will still get him fantasy points. So I kind of think that he could be a slept-on quarterback this year. Yeah, and it's not even the division, right? The, the Panthers are going to pass no matter what. Their defense didn't get that much better mm-hmm. just from the draft. No matter who they play, they're going to give up points. They're going to have to throw the ball to, mm-hmm. to keep up. Um, and as far as you said about him throwing to CMC, Teddy Bridgewater only averaged six yards per attempt last year, which was actually lower than the 32nd quarterback in the rankings. <laughs> um, so those short no deep threat. There really was no deep threat. No, so and Michael Thomas didn't do much of a deep threat. Yeah. Michael mm-hmm. Thomas will play that slot and uh, those high percentage catches. And, and that kind of worked out to Teddy Bridgewater's advantage, that scheme in New Orleans. Um, but now he has offensive coordinator Joe Brady coming out from LSU who just got done running one of the best college football offenses we've ever seen. So, um, yeah, there's hope there, I guess, from that perspective. Fingers crossed, I guess, is what I'm saying. Fingers crossed for Teddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fingers crossed for Teddy. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of uh, some of the wide receivers that he had to work with in New Orleans last season, yeah, we had DJ Moore, still very young. Uh, I think everybody's expecting him to take even yet another step forward this year. Uh, Curtis Samuel has been there. And then uh, bringing in Robbie Anderson, uh, which is uh, head coach's guy uh, from back in college days. Uh, Not bad weapons to throw to. No, very good weapons to throw to. Um, as far as Robbie Anderson goes, there could be something to that Matt Rule thing, playing with him at Temple. Uh, but like I said before, with Teddy Bridgewater being a low uh, target distance guy, uh, I don't know how that plays for Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson being known as the field stretcher, the deep guy, take mm-hmm. the top off the defense kind of player. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how he thrives in that offense. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I, as the resident Robbie Anderson guy, I feel like I can say that with some conviction. Uh, I've wanted to believe in Robbie so much over the years. Anybody who has listened knows my deep affections for Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in this offense with this quarterback, I don't see uh, a path to supreme fantasy relevance for Robbie Anderson. I think whatever, if, if you want to grab him in best ball, great, go for it, because you can pretty much make an excuse for anybody in best ball, but uh, outside of that, no, I'm staying completely away from Robbie Anderson. I don't really care about the Matt Rule thing for that. 
I do think that, again, it's a guy who could benefit Teddy. Um, I'm interested in what you two guys think of Curtis Samuel, though, because he's another guy people have been waiting on and wanting to believe in, but it just hasn't really been there for him. Is it there for him this year? I don't think so, no. I mean, I've never been a huge believer in Curtis Samuel. Yeah, he's flashed, and he and he's a good, real NFL player. Uh, he does what's you know needed for their team. But as a fantasy asset, no, I've totally just given up on him. And and with he he's more of a field stretcher as well. So uh, as we just talked about with Robbie, I don't see that any different. <laughs> Dustin, you said you're not a believer in Curtis Samuel. I am a believer in Curtis Samuel, the player, the player. But in the context of this offense, I agree with you. He's a field stretcher. Um, did you have you have you guys seen the highlight reel of Kyle Allen throwing deep ball passes to Curtis Samuel and missing time after time after time? <laughs> That's not surprising. Yeah, he's sad. It's just yeah. the saddest thing. It's super sad. Curtis Samuel has all the potential in the world. Um, I was on Player Profiler earlier today, and they have a stat cushion, the average cushion afforded to the receiver by his defender on each route run. And Sam, Curtis Samuel ranked third among receivers with 5.19 yards. The guy gets open. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. He beats the defense. It's just he's got Kyle Allen trying to give him the ball, and it just doesn't work out. He led the league in un- uncatchable targets last year with 40. Mm-hmm. Well, then, so I, I have to assume that Teddy Bridgewater is a, at least a slight improvement over that. You know, over what, just from a accuracy uh, standpoint, and an accuracy standpoint, he has to be an improvement. I guess the question is, are there going to be enough targets for him for that to matter? Um, so they did. So they lost Greg Olson, which I think is a big point that we should talk about is because he really, he was the focal point there for so long. And I don't know, Ian Thomas hasn't shown uh, that he's going to be to that level. So I don't think you have to worry about his involvement quite as much. So does that mean that maybe there's hope for Curtis to get some more targets or do those all go to DJ Moore? And is he basically a wide receiver three now or the wide receiver three now? They go to DJ Moore, and he is the wide receiver three now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, for, for real, I have had trouble keeping my pants on about DJ Moore and what he should look like for dynasty purposes, for redraft purposes, for all of it. I moved him ahead of Mike Evans, uh, I think, for my own personal opinions there. I think, is it realistic to expect, could he get a top five finish? Yeah, I don't think that's out of the question. In a sophomore season, comes up with 87 catches, just under 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. If he can improve on that, if those touchdowns mm-hmm. go up, yeah, I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. He was number eight in receiving yards with Kyle Allen as his quarterback. There's really okay. It's all, yeah, it's all it's all good. It's all upside for him. Dustin, mm-hmm. I'm curious, where do you, because you did some very tentative rankings. Do you know where you had DJ Moore in your tentative rankings? Uh, I've got him kind of low. I'm a little surprised now that I'm looking at it. I've got him uh, right now at 15. Just first blush through my projections. Which is, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's pretty close to where he actually finished last year, right? 
13th last year. 13. Yeah. So, no. Maybe there's room for uh, for a bump up well, or and, two. And, and with my wide receivers, he's right at the end of a large cluster of about eight or nine wide receivers that are within like 10 points of each other. So, I mean, another touchdown thrown on there, some taken away from another player. I mean, he's he's right in that conversation of being a wide receiver one for sure. Can we revert to an earlier question that I posed then? Can we do Calvin Ridley versus DJ Moore? Oh, that's DJ Moore. Yeah, Not same. We can talk about it. We cracked him. We fucking cracked him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I uh, 100% agree with that. Uh, I like it. Do you? Does anybody like Ian Thomas at all? Nope. I, I don't can't say i really like him um i've got him as like my tight end two on a couple dynasty leagues uh just as a backup just kind of wait and see um because he has flashed at times uh but he's always had to look over his shoulder with greg olson uh uh, they they didn't want to get him more involved for some reason uh but now with a new coaching staff there i think he's got the opportunity fresh start um Probably not going to expect him to be a, a tight end one this this season, but uh, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities either. Yeah, and again, it's such a garbage puddle at the bottom of that uh, of that you know back half of of the top twelve is always pretty dicey. Um, so as like a guy that you just want to have as a dart throw, I see no reason. I've been I, just talking about tight ends real quick. I've, I've been stashing as many of those types of guys as possible in lieu of the studs this year. I'm just trying it. I don't know, because one of them will hit, and then I'll feel better about myself. But I don't think it's going to be Ian Thomas. Uh, I would rather have Hayden Hurst. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Same would here. You rather, would you rather have Warren? Uh, I think I'd take uh, Thomas. I say Warren because I don't know how to say his first name. Uh... No, it's Ian Thomas. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, not by, not by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're like the, you're the. All right, I'm just gonna think about that. Kahalai, Kahalai. I am. I, I, I am that guy. I am that dude. And in fact, I even put out on Twitter uh, that I see a very real path for Kahale Waring to be a top 15 tight end, which apparently people thought was a spicy take. But again, that means nothing because tight ends are garbage after <laughs> yeah. a certain. I don't. I don't want tight end fifteen. Yeah, no. e- exactly. And my my point on that is really more about going forward. I think next year this time I'll be having a different uh, talk about that, and I might really want Kahale above Ian Thomas for right now. No, I'd rather have Ian Thomas. Mm-hmm. When he pops next year, you'll be able to take your victory lap. That's yep, exactly there you right. Go. That's exactly <laughs> right, and it will be loud. <laughs> All right, the running backs. Do we need to talk about Christian McCaffrey at all? Locked and loaded, number one. RB1. I mean, especially with that new contract he just signed, like they are going to make him work. Uh, there's there's no question there. Okay, hot. Uh, this is a hot take then, I think, is I actually have Saquon above CMC right now. Um, my only thought is they, yes, they ran him into the ground, but he did get the new contract. I actually look at it from the other perspective is you don't want to risk overloading the guy to the point that he becomes useless for you a year from now. And Turner is gone. So Norv is gone from Carolina, who was always the 
I'm going to run this running back into the ground kind of guy. I don't know if that's going to be the same for Joe Brady uh, and for Matt Rule being there. I don't, I don't know. I'm only a little skeptical about that. Whereas with Saquon, I think, yeah, it's it's only Saquon. So last year, McCaffrey was number one in snap share, number one in opportunity share, number one in targets, receptions, receiving yards, total touchdowns, and goal line carries. Even if he becomes number two in every single one of those categories, he was RB1 last year by, like, I I think over 100 points. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even close. But Saquon also missed a significant amount of time. Uh, We did see what Saquon looked like in his rookie year, which I – I would expect to harken back a lot more to that. Um, I just, I really think that there is an opportunity for Barkley in that offense uh, with Daniel Jones in year number two to, to take over that. And again, it's only because I really think that CMC's workload takes a bigger hit than, than we think it, it could. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And to speak to Saquon, they got a little bit of offensive line help in the draft, too, so that can't hurt them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do not take them to think that I hate say, uh, CMC, by the way. If anybody <laughs> says that, they are lying. I love CMC. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else about this offense we want to talk about here? Nothing. No? All right. Well, that will wrap up uh, the division. That was all four teams. Jake, you want to give us one last uh, shout out where we can find you, uh, all the good things you're doing out there. I am at Jake Takes FF on Twitter. Listen, I only have like 450 followers. I think I'm still. I may even be beefing up that number saying that. But uh, we got we got to get that number up. Let's go. People. Yeah, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to this podcast and you don't follow the other Jake, I hate you. You're dead to me. I'm in, Jake. <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on uh you're welcome anytime you want to come back Uh, it was a lot of fun um thanks for having me man one more thing jake trowbridge from drinking and talking fantasy what are you wearing what what am i wearing not khakis motherfucker never khakis (laughs) (laughs) state farm has ruined the name jake damn it state farm yeah. I appreciate you being able to ruminate in that with me and just. I think only Jakes can say that joke to each other from now on. It, it's ruined my life, quite honestly, <laughs> Dustin. I, I believe it's the it. The thing that Jakes say to one another when we encounter each other in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, definitely come back anytime. It was a blast having you on, and uh, keep doing all the good work. Thanks to Jake coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, won't you say number two? I would say that was a bundle of fun having Jake number one, Jake Rip on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please go give him a follow. Awesome dude. Uh, doing good things out there. Um, and please give us a follow as well. Uh, if you haven't already (laughs) subscribe to the show, follow us, give us a rate and review. We do appreciate it. Uh, find us on Twitter at drinking fantasy. Uh, you can find me at FF dusty dog on Twitter find me at Jake Trowbridge. And until next time, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.